Hey everybody, welcome to today's Take Heart. We're looking at the final principle of how to have difficult conversations well, and it's this. Learn to speak the truth tactfully. Proverbs chapter 25 verse 11 says, The right word at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewellery. One of the things that implies is that you can have the right words at the wrong time. You can also have the wrong words at the right time and that there's something beautiful about learning to match our words to a particular conversation, a particular person, um, a particular situation. And um, learning to do this well involves learning to communicate in a way that's clear, but is also caring. When it comes to us speaking the truth, having just done everything we've talked about in the last few Take Hearts about listening well, understanding where the person is coming from, um, you know, admitting to the things that maybe we've contributed to the situation. Um, but when it comes to us really sharing about what we're concerned about or how we're feeling, we do have to be true to ourselves on that. We have to be honest, otherwise there's no point having the conversation and nothing will be resolved if we're not honest. But I've learned um, through making mistakes that there are different ways of being honest. There's being honest in a way that's deliberately designed to wound the other person, and we don't want to go there. There's being honest in a way that's thoughtless, that just hasn't thought through how the other person might feel when, when we say what we're saying. And again, that's just uh, unwise, I think. But there's being honest in a way that sets the other person up to receive what we're saying. And it means we're more likely to be heard. Someone once told me that Nurofen, um, they deliberately wrap the kind of the pain relief bit in sugar. I don't know how true this is, but they wrap it in sugar so that when you take it, you can actually swallow it and absorb it. If they didn't wrap the sugar around it, then you would take it and just gag it back up again. And I think that's quite a helpful little image for thinking about, I need to communicate truth. And what I want is I want you to hear me and I want you to receive it. And I want to bring some resolution here and move forward. So the way that I am honest matters. Um, there's a way of speaking the truth tactfully. Now, the, um, uh, there's various tools that are around that feel a little artificial and they may not work for you. So I'll just, I'll just share two I found helpful and you can take it or leave it. Um, but here's one that I found a really helpful little skill to develop if I want to share the truth in a way that I'm more likely to be heard. And it's this. Questions open people up and attacks close people down. Questions open people up and attacks close people down. And so what I've found is if I'm, if I'm wanting to discuss something, it's actually much better to come at it with a heart posture, as it were, of curiosity. So to give you a silly example, Beth and I, um, every now and then on our date nights, we'll just go through a few questions that help us just touch base and catch up with each other. Um, we'll say one thing I appreciate about you is something you might not know is, and we'll just fit each other in. And then one thing we always say is we say, um, I'm a bit puzzled that, and it's our opportunity to just raise something that we're like, mm, I'm not sure about this, or, you know, that's, that's really annoying me. But we raise it as a question. And I know it sounds ridiculous. We do it tongue in cheek half the time. We also use it to be passive aggressive with each other. But at its best, it's actually quite helpful. So I might say to Beth something like, I'm just a little puzzled because I thought we bought that bar of chocolate to share. 
and I don't know what's happened to it. I'm curious. Do we have mice? Beth might say something to me like, Andy, I'm just puzzled because I know you want to live in a warm house and I know you don't want to spend loads of money on heating. Um, so I'm just wondering why when you go out the back door you keep leaving it open for like 25 minutes at a time and uh, I'm curious what do you think is going to happen in that situation and uh, actually what, what can happen if we phrase it like a question is then it becomes a discussion um, so we might talk to someone at work or you know someone in the home and we might say something rather than just saying you're not doing this I can't believe you're not doing that we can say hey I'm just wondering I thought we'd agreed this is how we were going to do it. Um, and I'm just curious as to why that isn't happening. And have I missed something? Did I misunderstand? Let's let's talk it through. Um, questions, they can open people up. Whereas if we just attack, often that closes people down. So that's one thing um, to ponder. How might I communicate what I'm really concerned about, but do so in a way that opens up discussion rather than shuts discussion down? A second tool that I find quite helpful is from Brené Brown. And you may have heard this. She talks about using the phrase, the story I'm telling myself is. Now that's not gonna work in every context, but in, in a, lot of, um, a lot of good friendships or romantic relationships, I think that's quite a helpful tool. The story I'm telling myself is. And so she says, for example, we have this ability to create a narrative in our minds that's not based on really much evidence but is full of assumption. We might walk into a party and someone blanks us and we start thinking, oh, it's because I didn't go around to their dinner that time, you know, their dinner that they had at their house that time and they've been offended ever since and, you know, and then we start going off on this whole narrative and, and it could just be they didn't see us. It could be they've just had an argument with their partner. It could be that we genuinely did offend them that time, but we don't know that. And yet these narratives become very powerful in our heads. And rather than just dismissing the person, it's actually helpful to recognize, no, I'm telling myself a story here that may not be true. So again, to give you an example, um, two Christmases ago, Beth and I went to stay with my family. And I remember there was a family board game night that we had one evening. And we're sitting there playing this board game. And Beth just starts laughing and just having the time of her life. And you might think that as a loving and devoted husband, that would bring me joy. Um, but instead, bizarrely, I found myself feeling insecure. And I found myself thinking, gosh, you know what? Um, I haven't heard Beth laugh like that for such a long time. I cracked a number of what I thought were pretty hilarious jokes last week and none of them got this reaction. So I started feeling all of this inside of me and then I start telling myself a story and the story I start to tell myself is kind of like an old theme that Beth and I have had tension over in our marriage over the years which is that she's a major extrovert and I am an introvert and I start telling myself this story along those lines oh Beth probably wished that she'd married an extrovert and look at her she's coming alive because we're surrounded by people and I don't see that side of her. Oh, I haven't seen it for ages. And so I go off on this narrative, right? And then, I, and then I, I'm not great at confrontation. So then what I did is I started to get moody. And, um, and then I didn't consciously do this, but I recognize now that's, uh, that's what I was doing. What I decided in my head is I'm going to test whether this is true, whether Beth really wishes she'd married somebody else. And this is the test. It's quite late. I'm going to go to bed now. And if Beth comes with me, that's the sign that she loves me. 
And if she doesn't, and if she stays here with all, all of these people, my family, then, um, then that's the sign she wishes she'd married an extrovert. And so I turn to Beth and I say, I'm going to go to bed now. And Beth says, see ya. And so I walked upstairs and I am absolutely, by this point, properly cooking. Bear in mind, Beth has done nothing wrong. She is enjoying a board game evening with her in-laws. The woman is a saint. But I'm up there and I'm like, I'm literally like making a list. I've got an actual list of people that I think she'd probably rather have married. Now the narrative's gone crazy and I'm starting to tell myself, yeah, she just didn't realize what I was like before we got married. Then we got married and she realized it was too late. And so for the last 10 years, she's just making the best of a bad deal, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. After a while, Beth, Beth comes up, and by the time she comes up, I am fuming internally. But I've learned enough to know, probably not a good time to just blast her. So I keep my mouth shut. And then the next morning, we were driving home, and I'd heard this, this story I'm telling myself stuff. And I, and I just started to think, maybe I could use that as a way of raising this, because it's really bothering me. Um, rather than just acting out and trying to punish her, um, because of what I was feeling. So, so I turned to her and I hated doing it. I was, I was embarrassed. No one likes being vulnerable. But I just said, hey Beth, um, the story I'm telling myself is, so rather than attacking her, the story I'm telling myself is that you wish you'd married somebody else and that I'm not the life and soul of the party and, and that's like, you know, a regret for you. And uh, she was shocked. And we ended up having this, you know, she couldn't believe I'd been there in my head, even though it was so real for me. And we ended up having this really good conversation about our relationship and, you know, that where we, where we, where we were different and how we can just be aware of that. And um, it was really good for our relationship. And so there is a real benefit to learning to speak the truth tactfully.